you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Do you love your work? Well, you know, maybe you get tired of hearing that question, but a whole lot of people still don't. Now, I know if you're a regular listener, you probably have it figured out already. You're doing work that you love. Congratulations for making that switch. We're going to be hearing some stories from people in today's podcast who have made that transition into work that they love. But hey, if you are not quite yet there, make sure you commit to making this year, 2015, your year. Can you believe it? 2015, it sounds funny to say that. 2014 went by in the blink of an eye. 2015, that's a nice, round, good-sounding number. Let's make it a great year. Well, our theme for today is going to be, did you really make a mistake? I want to talk a little bit about mistakes, about goal setting. We're here at the very first of the year. What a great time to be mapping out exactly what we want it to look like. I'm so excited. I can't sit in my chair because of some of the things that I've got mapped out that I want to happen. And I'm going to tell you how I lay out those plans and how you can do the same. Well, we've got somebody that says, Dan, I did 17,630 sit-ups last year. I want to tell you about how Cam set his goals and then extended his goals. Really cool kind of process that he used for that. Somebody wants to know, is it possible to be a sewing coach? Dan, how do you make money from the cars that you drive? I guess I drop little tidbits now and then about some of the fun things that I do with cars. And then somebody wants to know, can I survive as a bookkeeper? Dan, do you believe an apprentice style entry level position in coaching is possible to find or create. Hey, I love the terminology. You know, I always talk about either find or create work that you love. If you can't find it, don't worry about it. A whole lot of people who can't find the work they love. And so they create something. Doors have never been more open than for you to be able to do the same. So I love the terminology. We'll talk about that. Well, here's a quotation today, and it comes from Henry Ford. He says, the only real mistake is the one from which we learn nothing. I love that kind of framing. The only real mistake is the one from which we learn nothing. So if you make a mistake, if you stubbed your toe, don't just get hung up in the fact that you made a mistake. What did you learn from that? I listened this morning to my buddy, Michael Stelzer's podcast, social media marketing podcast. And he talked about a major failure that he had this last year, really laid it out, cost him a whole lot of money and a whole lot of time and energy and effort. And he pulled the plug on the whole thing. Well, I love hearing stories like that, but what he took away from that and what he lays out are the lessons he learned and how he integrated it into creating more success for his primary business, social media examiner that he's already doing. One of the things he said that I thought was interesting, he said, too much success can blind you. You know, isn't that the truth? Boy, I know I've been guilty of that. Golly, you have a little bit of success and all of a sudden, you know, I think that I can do anything, that I can't do any wrong, that anything I'm going to do, I get the Midas touch, baby, bring it on. Well, (laughs) I've had my, my hand slapped multiple times where my thinking 
got me astray in there where too much success blinded me to the reality of what I was attempting to do. Well, I want to talk just a little bit about setting goals and then we'll go right into those questions. But you know, this is a time of year. I know a lot of people cringe when they talk about setting goals. They think it's going to take all the spontaneity and fun out of life. It's going to just make them robots to go through the motions. Well, no, exactly the opposite is true. Setting goals, deciding in advance what you want to do is going to give you more free time for spontaneity, more margin in your life. I've been, um, I've been living out the evidence of that for many, many years now, but I love this uh, process of getting clear on what it is that I'm going to do. Now, a lot of people say I had no choice. Recently, Seth Godin had a, one of his little short blogs dealt with that idea. I had no choice. And he says, what that actually means is I had only one path that was easy in the moment. Now think about that a minute. Think about the people that you hear. Oh, I don't have any choice. You know, I got to get up Monday morning, go to this stinking job. Well, of course that's not true. You do have a choice. If you choose to go there, that means you've made the choice to go there, but you could choose to stay home. Now, sure, there may be consequences from that. That's why you recognize that it's a better choice to go ahead and go to work until you have a new plan. But I had no choice actually means I only had one path that was easy in the moment. Well, I'm going to be using that line when people tell me, well, gee, Dan, I can't do that. I don't have any choice. Well, sure you do. And oh my gosh. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing how often you hear that phrase. It's that reticular activator that I talk about where when you hear something once, then you just, you are amazed how many times you hear it again and again and again. Or if you buy a, a red Honda, you know, the next day you see 30 of them on the street and you wonder where were they yesterday? Well, they were all there, but now they're in your line of vision. They're at the top of your mind. And the same thing is true when you hear somebody uh, say a particular phrase. So think about how many times you hear somebody in the next week say, well, gee, I don't have any choice. It drives me nuts. I mean, little things. Yeah, I don't have any choice. You know, I got to go to McDonald's every day for lunch. Well, of course you don't. I don't care if it is closest to your office. You always have a choice. Well, Zig Ziglar says, when you set a goal, a light comes on for your future. Isn't that a great way to kind of visualize what that means? You set a goal, a light comes on for your future. If you don't set goals, then you're just blindly walking down a dark path. You don't know what's going to come. Now, another thing that I hear from people this time of year is I just don't have time to sit down and take the time to set goals. Wow. Now, is that a circular reasoning? You don't have time to plan because you haven't taken the time to plan. We could just keep going around and around and around with that uh, kind of verbiage there because that's exactly what happens. The reason you don't have time to do something as important as planning out what this year ought to look like for you is because you aren't used to setting down and planning ahead what it is that you want to do. So I encourage you to do that. I mean, I've spent at least 20 hours. Let me just kind of walk through this with you. I've spent at least 20 hours on planning my goals. For this year, 2015. Now you've heard me talk a lot this last year about the 10 X factor. I want a 10 times return on how I invest my time or money 10 times. So if I go to a conference and it costs me $2,000, I'm going to be looking for what are the one or two ideas I'm going to take away that are going to add at least $20,000 to my income. And I always look at things like that. So if I invested 20 hours of time planning for 2015, how am I going to get a return on that time? Well, here's how it works. I'm totally confident 
that having planned in advance will save me at least four hours a week, not having to then decide what is important. I know exactly what I'm going to be working on because I've already set my priorities. They're very clearly laid out. So without having to stumble around, figuring out what I'm going to do or just wasting time, I know that I'm going to find at least four hours a week of time that I otherwise would waste. Well, if I save four hours a week, you do the math on that. I'll save 208 hours over the course of this next year. That's a little bit over a 10 times return on the time I spent planning. And I'm totally 100% confident that's exactly the way that it will play out. Well, what if you don't know what you, what you can do to make your life better? Just kind of struggling, you know, how do I set goals? Let me give you a couple quick pointers on this. Do you know anything you could do that would make your life worse? Let me ask you that. Well, sure you do. You could show up for work late. You could speak harshly to your spouse. You could eat hamburgers and fries every day. Never read a good book. Never plan a vacation or special time. I mean, there's all kinds of things you could do that would easily, quickly make your life worse. So just look at the antithesis of those things. I could get to work a little early. I could speak kindly, make those emotional deposits with my spouse that I've not been doing. I could plan a special time, plan ahead. Now, what, what are some of the things that I could do to make my life worse? Well, it's real easy. I could stop writing, get lazy on doing the podcast, ignore date night a couple of weeks, eat half the goodies that people sent to us for Christmas. I mean, I could hole up and stop talking to other high achievers. I mean, it's easy to see how I could make my life worse. So I can look at some of those same things and decide how I want to make my life better. I can work out four or five times a week for at least 48 minutes. I can commit to writing three blogs a week and explore having some of those going to sites like Crosswalk, Relevant, Huffington Post, Fortune, the MX business site. I mean, that's some of the things that I'm going to do this year. I can plan on a European river cruise for Joanne and me next year. This year in February, next month, we're going on the Ultimate Advantage cruise, but uh, I'm planning an individual cruise just for the two of us next year. I'm already looking at what the options are. Friends Chuck and Lori Bowen just came back from a European River cruise and are braving about it, so I'm going to explore that and maybe start planning that. I know I can plan for you know the live events that we'll have here at the Sanctuary. I mean, I can look at adding an event. I mean, it's pretty easy to do the math on that the way we do events here. I mean, it's a thousand dollars to come to a two day event here. We usually cap those at 40, 40 people, so we can easily see what that would do if I added another event. But now I'd have to make it something that's really appealing and attractive. I can't just say, hey, we're going to hang out for two days and see what happens. I have to make something that has real valuable content for people. So we're looking at some options on that. I have a proposal from Carrie Oberbrunner who wrote Day Job to Dream Job. Carrie's a brilliant strategist helping people move through change. Uh, he did the launch of his book uh, around the theme of Shawshank Redemption, the, the probably the most popular movie of all time. But uh, he wants to do a Shawshank Redemption event where we would have one day that we spend actually in the prison in Mansfield, Ohio, where Shawshank was filmed. And then one day at the Spark Center, the Innovation Center in Columbus, Ohio, uh, just as a process to kind of walk through to get out of our own prisons, break free and release the best that we have to do to, to, to offer in terms of creativity. We're looking at doing that. So anyway, those are some of the things that we're 
at some of the things that you can do. You look at how you can make your life worse and then just look at the antithesis of that and start laying out, how could I have more success in these specific areas? Now, I've got a worksheet. If you just go to the 48days.com site for useful resources, click on worksheets. There's a free worksheet there, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes today, where you can go through the seven different areas of life that I consider important. So you identify what you want your life to look like, what success is going to look like for you this year, not only financially and in your career, but also the other important areas as well, like spiritually, physically, and your family, socially, those areas as well. You want to do that. So check that out. Now, Next week, I'm going to be talking about a beginner's mind right here at the beginning of the year. It's a wonderful time to kind of wipe the slate clean. And there's a real value in having a beginner's mind. I'm going to share with you some resources on how to do that. Because sometimes when we've been doing the same thing, and I know I've been guilty of this. I mean, right now we're getting ready. As a matter of fact, right now to launch our brand new website that we've been working on for about six months. But what I realized is that a whole lot of little things had just crept in not only in our website, but just in things that I'm doing that just because I got familiar with it, just doing kind of the same things again and again and again, I want to talk about how we need to wipe out some of the things we've been doing. There's a real power and energy in starting from a clean slate. Not that you lose momentum, but that you rediscover the joy of looking at things from a brand new vantage point. And we have to realize that probably about 15% of what we know today is going to even be relevant five years from now. So we better be learning new things and you better keep space in your life to be learning those new things rather than just resting on the success that you already have. I'm going to play this little, I haven't done this for a long time, but I'm going to play this little clip uh, promoting the ultimate advantage cruise we got coming up in February that our buddy Pierce Mars did. Then I want to tell you a little bit more about that and what's coming up there. Are you ready to vacation with purpose? Join Dan and Joanne Miller and a host of great speakers on the Celebrity Silhouette for the Ultimate Advantage Cruise, the purpose and power of vital relationships. The Celebrity Silhouette embarks from Fort Lauderdale on February 15, 2015 for seven days and six nights. We hope to see you there. For all the details, including bonuses, booking information, and how you can cruise for free, Go to 48days.com slash ultimate advantage cruise. What better way to kick off 2015 and give yourself the ultimate advantage? It's a beautiful day. Well, I love that little piece that Pierce did for us. Obviously, he knows my musical taste as well. Bringing a little U2 there. It's a beautiful day. We're going to have a fantastic time on the cruise. I mean, it's... Um, pretty late in the game. I mean, we're already doing now choosing our tours, things that we're going to do together and all that. But I, I saw that our friends, uh, Alex and Francesca Braunlader from Surrey, England, just signed up to join us on a cruise. They're a couple that, uh, last year won a book in some kind of a contest that we did Won a copy. I don't know. It was 48 days package of some kind. And I, I said, well, just give us your address. We'll send it to you. And they said, well, how about if we just come and pick it up? I said, you got to be kidding me. You guys live in England, but they did that. They came, we spent a delightful dinner together. Then they did some other traveling while they were over here, but they're going to be joining us on the cruise. But also, you know, we've got people um, like Aaron Casey who's coming from Ireland. I know there's a lady coming from Scotland. I think there's a couple coming from Sweden. And of course, where you're going to meet people like Michael and Gail Hyatt, you hear us talk about, they're going to be with us on the cruise. Rory and AJ Vaden. I'm thrilled to have 
that dynamite young couple on the cruise. He wrote Take the Stairs, and then his newest book is Permission to Procrastinate. He's got a new book in the works as well. People like Chris and Rachel McCluskey. Uh, Chris is the, the head, the CEO of the Professional Christian Counseling Institute, or Coaching Institute, it is. Uh, Cliff and Stephanie Ravenscraft are going to be there. Michael Stelzer and his whole family are going to be there. He and his wife and his kids are going to be there. So you're going to have an opportunity to spend an entire week with some uh, really high achievers. You can pick their brains, get to know what they're doing that has led to their success. We're going to have a lot of fun on that. So check it out. Just go to the Ultimate Advantage Cruise on our site if you're interested. You can still get in there, talk to Chris Nehemiah. He can help work out the details on that. But we're looking forward to that. Well, let's go to some of the success stories. Now, this first one comes from Cam. Camden Ross, who sent me a note uh, just uh, just a day or two ago and told me that he had put a note up on 48days.net. You can find his entire piece there, and he has it titled, Five Things I Learned About Goal Setting After Doing 17,630 Sit-Ups, 18,275 Push-Ups, and 51,600 Jumping Jacks in 2014. Now, he's got a lengthy description there of what he did and what he learned, but I love a couple points out of that that I just want to share, and it certainly merits a place here in the success stories. He said, in the past year, among my list of goals, I had the physical goal of doing 20 sit-ups and 20 push-ups for five days of every week. Now, think about that a minute. So he's going to do 20 sit-ups and 20 push-ups. Let's just stick with one to make the math easier. 20 sit-ups five days a week. So that's a hundred sit-ups a week. If you do the math on that 52 weeks, that would be 5,200 sit-ups. Now, how did he end up at 17,630? Well, he said what that did once he started, he started thinking about a more audacious goal of doing those sit-ups and push-ups for all seven days out of every week and each month to add five sit-ups and five push-ups to the previous month's number. So once he got into it, although he had already set his goal and he was achieving that, he thought, well, I'm going to up the ante here. I just love the kind of mentality that Cam had for that. That meant in January, he was doing 20 sit-ups five days a week. Now he, he had it went, went to seven, which I think is really aggressive. I don't do any, I don't set any kind of goals where I intend to do it, where I set out to do it seven days a week. It's too easy to, to fail. If I'm going to do something physically, I'm going to do it five days a week. That means if I miss a Thursday, I can make it up on Saturday and still be okay. But if you set it for seven days and then you miss one, then you really don't have any way to catch up or have the sense that you accomplished what you set out to accomplish. But anyway, I commend Cam for doing what he did. But that means then that in January, he was doing 20 sit-ups every day in February, 25, March 30, and so on. And if you go on through, that means in December, he was doing 75, 75 sit-ups and 75 push-ups every single day. But anyway, ended up with some really outstanding things. But I love the concept of getting started, recognizing you're achieving the success you wanted. And so instead of just resting there, increasing the bar, raising the bar. Love that. Love, love that you started that and, and shared that with us, Cam. Well, a couple more here. Troy says, Dan, you've read my previous messages on your podcast before we met briefly in person while at New Media Expo in Las Vegas last year chatted near the doorway of one of Cliff Ravenscraft's panels. 
Well, I don't know if this is a long-term success or not. After New Media Expo, I was intrigued by audiobooks as well as podcasting. Well, I waited until September, but finally auditioned to narrate a title, which I booked and it just became available on Audible on Friday. And the, the, the title is Ghost of the Philadelphia Experiment. It's available through audible.com. I can't say whether or not this will be a career as the revenue share model won't yield very much revenue, but at least I tried something new and put myself out there. So he did the audio. He offered to do the audio of a book, did the audio. Now that narration is up with a published book. So it's out there getting, and apparently, um, uh, apparently Troy is getting some kind of a, a revenue share on that, which is a reasonable kind of model. He said, but at least I tried something new and get put myself out there. Now all I have to do is brace myself for reviews. At any rate, nobody can accuse me of not trying and growing my toolbox of skills. So I will consider even this one audiobook a win. Thanks so much for the encouragement given your podcast. Hope to reconnect with you soon. Well, Troy, congratulations on that. Yes, indeed. I would consider that a win as well. Absolutely. To just do something that you've never done before. I mean, I love those kind of things. I mean, that's, you know, people sometimes try to live life too safe. They want, never want to do something that would terrify them or make them scared or, or produce fear or be risky. Well, if you avoid all those things, you're going to have a very, very safe, mediocre, boring, unadventurous life. So, so jump into the things that, that cause some of those emotions in there. Work through that. Congratulations, Troy, on jumping up there and doing an audio book. Well, Brian says... Dan, thank you. Thank you for all you do and share. I've been trying to figure out how to get in the golf industry and I finally got my foot in the door. A few years ago, I used your job search technique to try to get in with one of our local clubs as a membership director, but was unsuccessful. This past summer, I retooled it and offered my services as, as a membership consultant. I submitted a four page proposal on what I could do for them, including a performance based commission schedule. They accepted it. And I've been helping them revise the recruiting literature, brainstorm outreach ideas, and work toward increasing their membership. As a bonus, they extended a junior membership to my son just for my efforts, which allows him to use the club and work on his game for his golf team. Thank you so much. God bless. Well, congratulations, Brian, on doing that, on retooling, going back even after you got a rejection, going back again. Callie, think about you know how most sales are done. Most sales, we're told, take place after five to seven presentations, you know what most salespeople do? They make one presentation, get a no, they duck their tail between their legs and walk away never to be seen again. I mean, no, the people who do well in selling, no, you go back again and again and again, you remodify, you modify. That's a redundant. You modify, you retool as Brian is saying here and go back, hit it again. Well, congratulations on doing that. And hey, with that, we're going to walk into our little segment here where we congratulate those who have successes. Love those stories. Keep those coming in. You know, uh, Joanne has mentioned something new that I need to be here. We we love these kind of stories, and there's some modifications on that that we're going to be laying out in the next couple weeks here, and we'll be generous with some prizes to hear your stories. But love these stories. If you got a success story, and just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, see the red starburst there. You can shoot it into me there or just shoot me an email directly at dan at 48days.com. You know, giving out that, that address freely as we do um, is 
kind of a protection for me in one way because it goes into a unique mailbox. Ask Dan at 48days.com. But because I give it out uh, freely, um, more and more people find that. I mean, you, you would not believe the request I get for guest post as an example. And, and it's amazing the number of requests I get for guest blog post where it is very clear that English is not the person's first language. Now, there's, I have nothing against that. I mean, I want people to thrive wherever they are, but it, w- it would be best to try to get a foothold where you at least have the language in common. And no, I am not going to post a guest post from somebody that reads like, you know, somebody in the first grade, just simply because they didn't have an understanding of the language. You get at least get up to speed with the target audience that you're trying to reach. If in fact, that is what you're going to do. So anyway, it's just, it's just interesting how many people just take a shot, you know, just throw things out there, hoping something stick. Well, that's not a very good plan. Well, let's go to some questions here. This comes from Lauren. This is Dan. After reading and listening to your 48 days books and podcast, I was inspired to begin a graduate program for fine arts. After getting married and moving across the country, I was no longer able to afford my graduate program. Continuing to listen and be inspired by your podcast, I began my own creative venture. I created a website for artists to sell their art online. It's buylocalartist.com. And it's by B-Y, not B-U-Y. B-Y-localartist.com. My hope is that artists will gain financial support, enabling them to continue to do what they love. What makes Buy Local Artist different from similar sites? It is free to register and sell your art. All art on the site must be 100% original. Your art can stay on the site until it sells and the payment fees are less than my competitors. Thank you, Dan, for all you do and inspiring me to pursue something I'm passionate about. Well, congratulations, Lauren, on moving through. I could have put that in our success stories as well, but congratulations on getting that up there. Uh, selling art. I mean, I'm a big encourager of artists, as you know, if you've been listening, love to see them do things that other people are not doing. You don't have to be a starving artist. Just figure out, look, look at what 95% of artists are doing and figure out to do some things that they are not doing. That's all you have to do to move yourself into that 5% where you can move into the area that's not starving, that is thriving. Well, Dave from Mooresville, Pennsylvania, I'm excited to tell you, I just started a group on 48days.net called Creative Ministry. For years now, I've felt called to help the church become more creative. It's great to get to meet other people interested in this as well. Thanks for this venue. I also wanted to let you know that I hit my goal of speaking in 40 churches this year. Wow, that's an aggressive goal. Awesome. In the coming year, my goal is to get to 50, not just churches, but other venues. But more than that, my goal is to generate 12 new products this year to increase my income. One of those is going to be a portable creative church conference, and another will be a more secular workshop to help people build their creativity beyond the walls of the church. Thanks for the weekly dose of inspiration. Well, thanks Dave for that note. Thanks for creating that group. I just jumped on 48days.net and joined your creative ministry group. So I'll get updates on what's happening there. Um, Thanks for being part of what's happening there in the 48days.net community. We've got some new ideas. I've got some big ideas about what I want to have happen in the 48days.net community. I've kind of let it just um, grow organically the last couple years have not done much to structure, just wanted to see what people wanted, but I'm ready to really get aggressive about what we're doing there. And I'd really like to see that be in essence, a Wikipedia site. 
meaning that anybody can come in and add content that then is readily available to everybody else. So if you're an expert on resumes, you can add content there. If you're a resume, an expert on interviewing, you can add content. If you know a lot about small business startups, you can add content. I haven't figured out exactly how to do that yet. I'm going to have my mastermind work on that with me in March, but um, I'd love to hear some ideas about how we could do that, how to structure that. So we just make it open source, make it a Wikipedia kind of site where people can add content, but then make it searchable so anybody can find that. What's happening right now, and as much as it is searchable, there's a whole lot of content there that is not easily accessible. And I'm trying to figure out ways to make it somehow flow a little smoother. So if you're an expert in that arena, I'd love to hear from you. Well, Jeff says, I'm a longtime listener, so thankful I get to spend 48 minutes a week with you via your podcast. I feel as if I know you, even though we've never met. My wife is an extraordinary seamstress. As much as she loves to sew and has tried her hand at making things to sell, she prefers interaction with people over being stuck in a room with a machine all day. She wants to teach sewing, either one-on-one or in group classes. And I've encouraged her to promote herself as a sewing coach, but she's hesitant to use that word. I know that from listening to you for many years, coaching is the terminology many are using today rather than teaching. Can you explain how coaching is different from teaching and how something like coaching might be applied to the art of sewing? Thanks so much. And I hope to meet you guys one day via our mutual friends, Kirk and Debbie Dearman. Well, cool. I'd love to meet you, Jeff. Well, yes, your wife can be a sewing coach. Now here's the difference between coaching and teaching. If, Everybody in the room is really unknowledgeable in an area and you are the expert and you, in fact, are going to train them, open them up to techniques they never thought about before, how to do something, give them very much how to's. Yeah, you're teaching. I mean, that's okay. I mean, it's a fine line, but coaching implies that the person that you're working with probably already has the answers. You're going to help them think about things in new ways, see a new perspective, but ultimately they're going to come up with solutions themselves. That's more the process of coaching. Now it can be a combination. Now you've heard me talk a lot about the art classes that take place. As a matter of fact, as I'm recording this, there's a whole bunch of people, a bunch of women in the sanctuary in their weekly art class. Now I'm not sure if Dorsey McHugh is coaching or teaching. And I'll tell you why, because it's a combination of both. So there are a lot of people in there, a lot of women in there who are, experimenting with their art. You know, my, my wife, Joanne is in there and friends of hers like Gail Hyatt and Patsy Claremont and lots of other gals that are in there. And some of them had prior experience in painting. So they come in here, they have a lot of freedom. They kind of hang out together. And so Dorsey McHugh, the, the professional artist in there, it's more a process of coaching to just walk up, look over another shoulder and said, have you considered doing this? Or, you know, here's a way you can maybe make the light show a little more strongly coming through the trees. So it really is kind of a process of coaching. There's not a whole lot of just direct teaching one-on-one being done in there. Now with what you're describing, Jeff, with your wife and sewing, I mean, it, I envision what my mom used to go to being raised in the Amish Mennonite culture. My mom would go to quilting bees well, you know, these are these big events where women would get the quilt making these itsy bitsy teeny tiny little stitches, you know, and making these beautiful quilts that they're known for. And as I grew up, I thought, golly, there's got to be a more efficient way to make quilts. But what I didn't realize, what I missed is that it really wasn't 
as much about creating quilts, making quilts, as it was about sharing life together. I would encourage you to look at it in that way. So you have sewing classes that are not just technique, that are not just teaching, but they're, they're an event, they're an experience. I mean, I know a lot of these ladies come to the art classes here at the sanctuary, not because they're going to be taught something new, but because they want to catch up on what happened with the other gals in the group, you know, over the holidays. And they want to share what they're doing and where they're going on vacation, what their kids are doing. There's a whole lot of that that goes on in there. And I think you could structure the kind of things that you're talking about with your wife. So it's not just static, cold, intellectual, technical sewing classes, but that it's a wonderful experience. And you can maybe really open that up in a way that would be fun for everybody. Thanks for your question. Well, this comes from Joe Berman. Joe, and is, incidentally, is our pod to pod guy. I mean, he has the podcasters newsletter which is really valuable. He's doing an amazing job of compiling useful information. I'm pulling things from my mastermind and other groups out of that, but he's, he's the podcast guy. Joe says, I'd like to thank you for all the support you've given me in the past. I heard you mention how you make money off the cars that you drive. I'd like to know how you took something with most people consume and turn it into an investment. I would love to do the same. Well, the real, the short version, the four word answer is buy wholesale, sell retail. Now, I know it's a little more involved than that. Cars happen to be something that I'm very comfortable with. I, I know and understand and love. And so I'm very comfortable buying. I take my time buying. My philosophy for buying a car is I, I'm never in a hurry, but always ready. So I'm always prepared at any given time. If I see an exceptional deal, you know, I can buy it. Um, you have to be prepared. Obviously it has to be one of your goals. So you are prepared. It's not like you see a car and then you run down to the bank to see if they'll finance you. I mean, you're going to lose deals all day long. If you see something in somebody's front yard, or if you go to a, a re repossession auction, that's not the way it works. You have to be prepared to pay for the car right then. That gives you a lot of buying power that you don't otherwise have. So that's one of the big keys. And because of that and my philosophy and my understanding of that, I've never had a car payment in my life. When I buy a car, I pay for it. So that's one of the things that allows you to, to do it in a way that I do. But I, I buy a lot of cars from dealers. I mean, it's not that I find somebody who doesn't know the market. I mean, I buy a lot of cars from dealers. The, the Mercedes SUV that I'm driving right now, I bought from a dealer, a big dealer in Gwinnett, um, Georgia, just north of Atlanta. I loved working with them. And, um, found it online and drove down, checked it out. Uh, we negotiated a price that I thought was exceptional. Now keep in mind, you know, just because it's a dealer doesn't mean that you're going to get taken to the cleaners. I mean, dealers have to move cars. And there are a lot of times they have more inventory than they want or a particular model that doesn't fit their lineup and they want to get rid of it. I mean, you can negotiate incredible deals. Uh, personally, I think you can do more negotiating with the dealer than you can with an individual because an individual has one car. And they, they, they want to make that, you know, a dealer's going to be looking at their success for an entire month at a time. So if they lose a thousand dollars on a car, it's not a big deal because they're going to make it up by the overall success they've had. And if, if they've got something they want to get rid of and it's time to go, if they got a willing buyer on it. Boom, it's out the door. So I'm driving something right now that I, I'm confident I could make $2,000 on today. If I wanted to sell it, I bought it, checked it out. Gorgeous car. I love driving it. So I'll drive it until I get tired of it. 
and get bored and want something different. And then I'll sell it, but I'll sell it then like on Craigslist or just by putting it in my front yard here in Franklin, Tennessee. That's a much different selling process. So we can drive it around town here in an area that has very nice cars. People are used to driving nice cars, put a sign on a windshield and I can buy, I can sell it. And a lot of times people are waiting for cars that Joanne and I have had because they know the kind of cars that I have and they know how I take care of them. So it's been easy over the years to buy something, drive it for six, six, eight, ten 10 months and then sell it and not only get my money back, but make a little. And so it costs me nothing to drive cars and people, you know, think, oh, gee, I'm so lucky to be able to drive these really nice cars. And I look at what they're driving. They're driving a little Ford Focus. You know, they're paying $300 a month on. They're buried in it upside down the day they drove it off the lot. And I think, man, it's just, you know, the cars I drive cost me a whole lot less than the cars you drive, but you just haven't taken the time to understand the process. So you put yourself in the driver's seat. Well, hey, a lot, a lot more could be could be said on that. Uh, it's just a process. Now, here's the deal, though. Here's the bottom line. Don't try to do that if you don't really already know and understand cars. I mean, if you don't know how to release a hood on a car, you know, don't try to make money buying and selling cars. You'll get burned. You'll get something with a bad transmission, and all of a sudden it costs you fifteen hundred bucks instead of going the other way. So, it, so it's something that I grew up knowing and understanding. I've just kind of leveraged that into my adult life and something that I continue to enjoy. And yeah, it's an area where a lot of people have spent a whole lot of money on cars and I've spent virtually nothing and continue to drive really nice cars. Well, great question. I love that. Love that. Love that question. I love the, the content there. Uh, just one of those things uh, Start where you are when, when we talk about, you know, work that you love, work that you um, are going to be thrilled about doing every day. Start with what you already enjoy. I mean, that's why I do cars. It's not that I consider that a hardship that I'm going to go out and just force myself to get the next deal and then flip it. I mean, I don't go looking for cars to make money. I just, at this point, all I do is just have cars that I enjoy driving, that we enjoy having around. And then when I'm and not enamored with them, I flip them and go on because I do enjoy the process. But start with something you enjoy. It may be baseball cards or it could be artwork or it could be, you know, growing bonsai trees. I mean, start with something you enjoy. It's best to grow that as your area where you make money rather than trying to force yourself to do something that somebody else is doing. Incidentally, my little transition music there, just a reminder that if you got a question, I'd love to entertain it for an upcoming podcast. Just shoot it into me at askdan at 48days.com. Well, Tanya says, I've heard you talk about your bookkeeper on your show. It sounds like she and I have a very similar business model. The difference is she's probably actually making a living at what she's doing. I laugh as I type this, but it's really true. I've had some serious issues with my pricing structure and I'm looking for some guidance on how to correct it. I work with small businesses in the local area, providing bookkeeping, payroll, and tax services. After calculating the average income per customers, each of them is averaging $150 a month. I've had up to 11 monthly clients at one time and had to scale back because I was doing a lot of work. And as I added more clients, my work began to suffer. Right now I have five. You do the math on that. I would accept that it's rather pitiful. I need help positioning myself properly to attract the right kind of client and restructuring my fee schedule so the business makes sense. I'd love to talk to your bookkeeper. 
but I understand you might get a lot of requests. I respect your expertise, so I'm willing to settle for that. No More Mondays gave me the courage to get out of the rat race. Things are tough right now, but I would still rather not go back to where I came from. Thanks for everything you do, LaTanya. Well, LaTanya, I already sent your message to Bonnie, my bookkeeper. Now, I'm not going to do this for, you know, 100 people. So save save your email. Can start considering that. LaTanya, just ask a unique question. I was happy to do that. So I sent it on to, to Bonnie, uh, who is my bookkeeper. Now, again, Bonnie doesn't come in here every day. She's not here, you know, five days a week. She comes in one afternoon a month. That's it. Even with a business like we have, we have a pretty robust business, but uh, she comes in, she knows how to interpret all my receipts and records and everything. She puts that together. I frankly don't know how much time she spends on doing my stuff. I mean, she's here for a couple hours, then she takes things with her. And then a couple days later, I get all my reports for the preceding month. Um, and I pay her $350 a month. No, again, I don't mind sharing that. And, and I don't really know how many clients she has. I'm sure I'm probably one of her smaller clients, but if she has 10 clients, uh, even like I am, you know, then that'd be $3,500 a month. So, so maybe it's just that you're not charging enough. I mean, 150 a month is, is pretty low for doing any kind of P and L's and tax returns and things like that. Bonnie doesn't do my tax returns. I mean, she just does my monthly reports and then I have an accountant who does, you know, my quarterly and annual reports. Now this comes from Virginia who says, Dan, I wrote you a while ago because I was miserable and my pain job. Wasn't sure how much longer I could hang on while I got my handmade dog collar business up and running. I'm happy to report that business is good and I've come to tolerate my pain job, but I still have a way to go to replace half my income as you suggested before I go at it full time. Right now we have a small storefront and we've started selling online and our website and an Etsy store. I'd like to explore the wholesale end of the business, but I don't know a darn thing about it. Can you recommend some resources? Thanks for all you do. Well, I looked at your, your website, your Etsy site. Now, frankly, I can't imagine you having a small storefront for uh, a single product, you know, just the dog collars. I mean, that's something where you know, your, your only way to make it there is to be online and to maybe doing, you know, bulk orders and doing wholesale and so on. Um, can't imagine that being justifying a walk-in store. So I may have misunderstood that, but with your model too, it's a little difficult to get, build a repeat customer base when you have pretty much a one-time purchase. I recognize people may have multiple dogs and they may buy a new one every couple years, but it's a long time in between. And I would encourage you to look at a more robust product offering for pet owners. So you have other things. So you become a resource for more than just one item. If you're going to be one item, then you do have to look at the, the wholesale side for sure. And that would be a good move. But then you've got to look at what is your competitive advantage? I mean, if, if places that are selling collars are getting colorful collars from China for $5, you're going to have a hard time with your price point, your retail price points I see around, you know, $30, $40 for something really nice. And I understand that, but you know, how do you, how are you competitive with things that are fairly close to that in terms of the, the purchaser's eyes? Now, I love the things that you've done. I pulled one up here. I love the things you've done that are where you personalize the color. So you write in there, Charlie with the phone number. I mean, that that's pretty cool. I mean, those kind of things you can command a much higher price. But 
if you're going to compete in a wholesale market, then you, you're going to be looking at just how can you make it cheaper? And that's a really tough business model. There has to be something that makes you stand apart. That is more than just being cheaper. And I looked at, at PetSmart. I mean, they've got cloth collars on there for nine ninety nine. That means they're probably paying about four bucks. So it's going to be hard to compete just from a price standpoint. You got to get into an arena where you have a real distinct competitive advantage and then stand on that and keep your prices where they need to be. Uh, a couple quick ones here. Uh, Patrick John Nolan says, I want to commend Terry Day, who, who's my, who's our product fulfillment director, my assistant, on a quick response to the new 48 Days book signed by you due to my contribution on 48days.net to the book's development. The turnaround time was incredible as the book was shipped immediately, and I really appreciate it. Now, what that's referring to, and I know not why I put it in my notes here, is because the brand new book is out. Now I haven't talked about that much yet. The 10th anniversary edition, because we are just at the point of getting our new website up, which I'm really stoked about. And I didn't want to drive traffic there for just the book before we have the new website with all the new amenities up there. But by the time you're hearing this, hopefully it'll be up and we'll be talking about that more. But as part of the process leading up to the 10th anniversary edition, I asked for contributions from you, the listeners, and I had an avalanche of listener response, reader response suggestions. It essentially did my research instantly. I went through the volumes and volumes of content contributed by you, the listeners, and then pulled the best from that and integrated what I could into the new book. And I told anybody who contributed that I would give you a new copy of the book. Now those are being sent out. I mean, those have been sent out. If you did contribute content, no, no, it's not something we're looking for now. If you contributed content, this would have been back in, I don't know, April or May of last year. <clears throat> but if you did and haven't received a book, let us know. We'll just, we'll, we'll check to make sure that you really were one of the contributors back there. Um, but I wanted to collect as many of those addresses as possible. And those have been sent out complimentary copies of the new 10th anniversary edition of 48 days to the work you love. Um, you know what? I've got a couple others here. Well, let me just go. I'll go through this one here pretty quickly. You know what? I'm going to save that because it's a, it's a good question. It has to do with uh, building, being an apprentice. And there are a couple questions that are tied together about, can you be an apprentice in today's environment? Even if you wanted to ultimately be a coach. And I want to address that in, in more than what I have time for here today. So let me just do one last one here and we'll wrap up. This comes from Vanessa who says, Dan, thanks so much for podcast. I've been listening every week for a couple of years. Find it very stimulating at the end of your most recent podcast. Our dreams big enough. You played your 48 days song created by the people at gifty song. I love that song is a song available to purchase. I would love to be able to play the song as motivational wake up song in the morning. Please let me know how I can obtain a copy. Great question. I'll have to ask. I mean, I'd be delighted if Todd and Emily are selling that somewhere. If they make that available to sell, that'd be a cool thing. Never thought about that. I already sent Vanessa a copy of it. I just sent her the MP3 file of the song. Happy to do that. I'll play it here for us as they're closing again today. Again, we've been getting a, a lot of a, a lot of response to the fact that Todd and Emily have offered. They they had a uh, drawing a gift where. Um, Tristan Manning won that, and he not only 
is getting his free song, but he purchased another song from them for his wife for Christmas. I'm eager to hear that as well. We'll have to play a couple of those on here. Todd and Emily have offered because of their connection here to come to one of our events at the sanctuary and provide music, which is a really cool thing. We'll be looking at opportunities, ways we can do that. Well, with that, begin. remember next week, I'm going to be talking about a beginner's mind and remember our Quotation for today, the only real mistake is the one from which we learn nothing. So I hope this has been helpful to you. Go back and listen to what Cam Ross did with his setting goals and increasing the goals as he went along. A really motivational kind of piece. You can check that out at 48days.net. Let us know what you're doing to make this your best year ever. Here we go. Stuck in the J-O-B. Can someone set me free? I've had enough of this This life is meaningless These hours don't pay enough This work is just so tough I need to get away The clock is ticking so don't delay It's gonna take God.